convince you the Earth is flat in 60 seconds or less. We first proved the Earth was a sphere using a literal stick in the ground. So it's not hard to understand space looks different to people in the southern and northern hemispheres. I mean, compare the moons. This only makes sense if people in Australia are upside down relative to the northern hemisphere. And what about lunar eclipses? The Earth's shadow is cast onto the moon as a perfect circle. And what about our literal photos of Earth? Do flat earthers use GPS? Because GPS only works because of the satellites orbiting our very spherical Earth. And we can see other planets using telescopes. Why are they spherical? But Earth isn't. Do you guys think the Earth is flat? I'm not part of any movement. Right. I'm just Dave who, who knows the Earth's flat. Describe for me, if you will, what your beliefs are. I personally believe that we live on a big disk of water. There's a North Pole in the center. All the continents are strung out around it. And the edge is what we call Antarctica. Beyond that, who knows what's beyond that? So this is where anywhere is. Beyond here, there isn't anywhere. Does that make sense? Uh, if this is a realm of uh, 3D space and time, yeah. well, there can't be anything outside it because right. that implies, you know, 3D space and time. Proof the Earth is flat. You can see the sun locally traveling around our flat Earth. A phenomenon Globers have not been able to explain. Welcome, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. It is brand new edition, and Brandon and I are back together. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoyed your time off, your time away with the fam. I did. It was fun seeing the family. Um, the West Coast is definitely weird. <laughs> but you but, sent me yeah. a picture of you in front of the 33 Club. I did. I did. Couple but, of them. But the one thing that's funny, a couple of them, because one thing is, is when I first went to the buy, I saw the 33 sign. I'm like, okay, there it is. Cool. Got the picture with it. And then I was going by again a little bit later, and I suddenly realized that's not the real spot. Oh. There's another one around the corner where the actual door is with the doorbell. Yeah, you sent me that but one. If you as don't well. have the right credentials, yeah, if you hit the doorbell, if you don't have the right credentials, they don't let you in. Interesting. I don't think it's as, as hard it is as it used to be. I think you just have to have a reservation, and I did not have that. And it's so expensive. They would not let me in. It's very expensive. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I found the real door because I saw someone going in it, and I'm like, what is that? And then I looked, and that's when I sent you that other one that shows the 33 with the doorbell. I'm like, that's the real one. The other one's what they do for the tourists. So. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about at Disneyland there's a the infamous 33 club which there's a lot of mystery around that we talked about it in one of our episodes and brandon was standing right there but they wouldn't let him in i got pictures with it (laughs) first hey thank everybody for all the great emails that you have coming in we appreciate it and if you would like to chime in get a topic in on the list for this coming year We have a bunch set up, but we're always looking for more. And if you have something specific you would like us to tackle, just email us down the RH at protonmail.com. Tell us what it is. Maybe maybe give us a little background or some info and we'll we'll run with it. We'll definitely put it on the list. We definitely will. And if there's something that you're you're looking for or something that we've done that you want us to relook at or anything like that, let us know as well. Um, just so you know, the one listener that emailed about the the Ted Kaczynski. I will finish the manifesto. It <laughs> should be here in the next couple of weeks. It was one of those ones that it's a very deep one. And once your head kind of gets unwrapped around it, I have to get my head wrapped back, back around it to get that last, that last one in. So, but there will be one more episode to finish off the, the manifesto. And that's a promise. It's coming. We, it 
we're going to just have to be brutally honest with you because there were a few different ways we wanted to address this topic. And this topic has been a long time coming. We've had multiple yes. requests for this. It's been our list for a long time. We haven't done it, not because we wanted to shy away from it. We're not afraid of this topic. No. It's that we wanted to do it justice and we wanted to do it the right way. And we've had much discussion about how do we how do we do this? How do we tackle this? I mean, that's been the, the discussion that we've had. Yes, because it is, in my opinion, and I believe Brandon, it's a very polarizing issue. <laughs> you're either in or you're out. It is. And it's one of the ones like if you're in the conspiracy theorist world or whatever, this is one of those ones that is very polarizing. Like you said, you're either in it or you're out. And the hard part is, is a lot of times you you really get people when suddenly you start saying, hey, I believe in this. Either you get people that are like, yes, finally, you, you, you've woken up or you're an idiot. Yeah, we so, lost. And you. there's no in between. <laughs> no. Little behind the scenes, one of the approaches we were going to do is we were just going to do a show saying, Flat Earth, it's true, and we we're going to present all the reasons why and just leave it at that. And then <laughs> the next week, we would come back and say, no, the Earth is round and here's why however we feel that we work too hard to gain your confidence to pull something like that on you because i think there's a lot of people out there who are very logical very reasonable very reasoning who may take it at absolute face value if we did something like that and say yeah these guys have really they've gone off the deep end and so we would lose credibility we don't want to do that so how we're going to yeah, do it so is we're just going to tell you straight up front. This episode and next episode are both about Flat Earth. This episode today, right here, we're going to go through all the reasons that are given and all the reasons that are out there as to why the Earth is flat. And then next week, we're going to go into all the reasons why the Earth is round and it's a globe and how we know it today and then we will give our personal opinions then fair that enough that sounds fair to me i mean it's great because i mean that's one of the things that we've tried very hard through most of our episodes is we try and do that is give you guys hey here's the facts as we see them here's the facts as we found them make your choice make your decisions and then at the very end we're going to say hey this is what we think right so let's get started into Flat Earth, why it's a possibility, why people believe it, what's out there, what they ascribe to, what the doctrine is from, and so forth. And for me, in my research, it really goes back to, well, a lot of people claim it comes from the Bible, and we'll get to that in a moment. But in mm -hmm. 221, so 221 B.C., this is the first I could find where it was put down as an actual belief system. It's one of those things where you're talking all the way back to, you know, before, you know, BC, where a lot of people have the idea that it was 1492 when Christopher Columbus, when most people don't realize people already for since, you know, before Christ believed that the world was round. Christopher Columbus didn't prove that. He was just trying to find another trade route. The whole belief that he thought it was that the world, everyone thought the world was flat at that time isn't true. No. They already knew it was, it was round. Or right. they already believed it was round. Yes. But round oh, and flat yeah. are two different things. And we'll get to that. Yes. So in the kingdom of Quinn, pronounced Chin, so it's Q-I-N, but it's pronounced Chin, which is where we get the word China from. They found out that there was this kingdom going on. China was basically being fragmented. According to this book of documents, one of the four ancient Confucius classics is about science, of astronomy, and so forth. They say the emperor had to maintain an accurate calendar so that the rites necessary to keep the universe in balance were, were performed at the designated moments. And, of course, maintaining this calendar wasn't easy. 
China used this thing called a lunar solar system that required frequent adjustments because of the periods of the sun and so forth. And basically what they did is they saw the world as square. The sky was round. The earth was square. So it was, a flat, it was basically flat and square. And this went on for a long time. Yes, a very long time. The Taoist monks believed it, the Buddhists. It kind of went through several different variations. Then came the Greeks who started challenging all of this. And that's when we got a lot of what we our modern-day astronomy was based on the calculations that the mystery schools and the, the Greeks and a lot of those guys who were studying planets and the solar system and and all these things which which was quite amazing actually that they could do all that without (laughs) the instruments that we have today a lot of the math that they did back then was amazing when you start looking at some of the math and some of the things they were able to figure out that they were figure out so long ago without the the instruments that we have and a lot of that stuff and this is one of the things we'll find too a lot of that stuff can be disproven now but a lot of it still is proven to be correct. Yes. They may have been off a little bit here and there, but it became yeah. this sort of competing war of belief system and science and so forth. The flat earth basically got shelved. I mean, it, it went sort of, it went underground for a while. Yes. And when it really started coming back into modern day vogue was somewhere in the 1800s when a guy named Samuel Robotham, sometimes known as Parallax. <laughs> and I'm like, Parallax, man, when I was on the radio, if I'd have known that, I'd have used that as my DJ name. That is awesome. Which is an awesome, yeah. Parallax. What's really funny, too, when I started reading this, my ex's grandfather was Sam Robotham. So that was always, I kept seeing Samuel Robotham, and I'm like, oh, God. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I so I'm like, okay, what is parallax? Why would he call himself that? Well, I looked it up, and parallax is basically this change in viewpoint that occurs due to the motion of the observer. It's used for studying the planets, to measure large distances. It's this idea of displacement or difference in apparent position of objects viewed along two different lines of sight and the best way i can describe this is if you have if you just go out to your car and you have the needle that is your uh, speedometer and when it goes up and you're looking at the needle straight on it's accurate but if you go to the mm-hmm. side of it and you look at it that needle will be off by sometimes up to five miles you know yes. So it's just, it's basically if there's an object in front of an object, the viewpoint that you're looking at it on, it can move. That's parallax. So perception, basically. Yeah, exactly. So he, he did a lot of studies, and one of them was this study where he lived. There was a, they call it a river, but it was more like a, a canal, a channel, kind of like along the side of the road, you mm-hmm. see a irrigation channel. And he would notice, and it went for miles, six miles or more. And he noticed these boats would float down this thing and they would never tip. They would stay straight. And so he's like, well, if the earth is curved over a period of time, these boats would have to curve curve off and disappear out of sight. And so he set up these binoculars and he set up all kind of sight tools at the water level at the boat level and so forth and tracked all these boats going back and forth and he's like see they stay on a straight line there's no way that you should be able to see them at the same level that far away and he gained he gained a lot of followers he would get involved in debates and when he died his followers they founded the universal zetetic society another person who was of 
high esteem and high interest in this was Lady Blount, sometimes known as Zeted, Lady Elizabeth and Mold Blount. And in the 19th, late 19th and early 20th century, she was one of the founders of the Universal Zetetic Society. And she worked with a guy named Albert Smith, who also went by Zetetis, to spread the, quote, truth. And this is really, this lady is where you'll get a lot of the crossover with Christians. The, well, I was, let's back up. She was a devout Christian, and she looked to the Bible to prove this flat earth theory. And, and it really, a lot of it started with her. She used scriptural yep. and experimental arguments to support her views. And she had a lot of status among the elite of England. So, again, this is when a lot of the, you know, we talked about this, there were a lot of societies, secret and not so secret. Everybody wanted to be in a society. And so hers was one, and people joined up. According to a lot of things, the Universal Society's first membership roster was a sampling of the who's who for her time. So she was very persuasive, and a lot of people wanted to join this society. She wrote books, and then there's a guy where it really appeared in America was Joseph Holden. He was a prominent American flat-earth lecturer in the late 19th century. All of these individuals, maybe with the exception of Parallax, a lot of these people were really down-to-earth. Everyone said they were very nice. They weren't wild-eyed, crazy people. They had a belief system. They stuck to it. They would talk to you about it, but they weren't out freaking out about it. No. You know, a lot of people didn't even consider them conspiracy theorists. They just thought it was one of their quirk. It was like a quirky thing of these people. And Holden was just like that. According to several articles I read, Holden used a human approach in his lectures and was enjoyed by both believers and non-believers. People just liked to hear this guy. They, they thought he was friendly. He appealed to the common sense evidence to show the truth. And one of his more famous experiments was to set a pail of water on top of a pole overnight in the morning, then he, and he would check it. If the earth was moving, as it supposedly is, it would have fallen. If not, he still had his water. And, of course, if you've ever done this, the pail was in the original place the next morning. His water always finds level. Yes. That is the one phrase I heard more than anything while reading and listening and watching and everything else and researching this. The biggest phrase I heard the most was water always finds level. Yeah, water always seeks its own level. That is a rallying cry for sure in the theory of flat earth. There's a guy mm -hmm. named Wilbur Glenn Woliva who was the mayor of Zion, Illinois. And if you don't know, we should probably do an entire show on Zion, Illinois. Zion, Illinois was basically a very strict religious community and they taught the flat earth doctrine in the schools he it was not state run zion illinois was its own little like commune although they didn't live like a commune but i mean it was like its own little cult um yeah. the <laughs> they had super strict requirements such as abstinence for tobacco and alcohol and the punishment was really strict. Cities, the main revenue was through fig cookies, which they would produce and sell. The first evangelical preacher to own a radio station was in this, and they broadcast the flat earth sermons uh, through the air. And when Bird had become the first man to supposedly fly over the South Pole, he simply pointed out that Bird had flown around the rim of a dish-shaped world. So... He was another big one. And then you had Samuel Shenton. He was a fellow of the Royal Astronomical Society and the Royal Geographic Society. He founded the Flat Earth Society that we know of now. It's still in existence in 1956. What he basically did was he took over that Universal Zetetic Society and renamed it. If you look, there's two different websites. There's two different Flat Earth Society websites because they had a split at one point. 
Yeah, well, that happened with Charles, I believe, with Charles Johnson, who just passed away in 2001. Charles Johnson, from 1972 until his death, was the president and promoter of the Flat Earth Society that he and his wife Marjorie ran from their home in California. He is the one who introduced the Apollo moon landing as being fake. Space exploration in general was a ruse to lead people away from the truth of the Bible and its clear yes. flat earth stance. And there's another one where you got you have a lot of the Bible being married into this society. Johnson became the new president of the Flat Earth Society in 71. His leadership grew to the size from a few members to about 3,000. And his wife was the secretary. I thought this was interesting. Near the end of his career, rather than focusing on trying to convince people, which, which is a common theme here, I've noticed. So this modern movement of flat earthers where they're, they're very persistent and there's a lot of TikToks and YouTubes and, and they're very animate about it. That's a modern, that's a very modern thing. Yes. Because all of these pioneers of it, I'll say, were very passive about it. Uh, but near the end of his career, rather than focus on trying to convince people, Johnson found it his duty to God to respond to each and every message that entered his office door. And so he spent most of his time doing that. If you go back also into history, like I said, the, the Taos, Native Americans, Hindus, even some Egyptians, because all, not all Egyptians bought into the, the new science, various sects of Shinto, all believed in a flat earth or a square earth or some form of the earth being flat. Maybe you came across this. I don't know. But what I noticed in this is that kind of like when we talked about Antarctica, a lot of things get piled into this. So this is where you get like yeah. the Tartarian Empire. This rolls up into this. This is where you get, oh, every anything and everything out of our airspace is complete fake. All of it. NASA's never been anywhere. They believe there's this thing up there called the firmament. What's the firmament? Well, let's say you have a, let's just say you have a Frisbee and that represents the earth that we live on. Bubbled up yeah. over the, over the Frisbee, covering the whole Frisbee in this sort of dome, like a, almost like a snow globe is what they call the firmament. And they claim it's mentioned in the Bible that there's the firmament and it is basically a wall of liquid and gas and that you just, you can't penetrate it. We can't get through it. All the stars and all the planets and everything you see are about 3,000 miles away. Hmm? Everything's right here. The universe is about 3,000 miles. That's it. The entire galaxy is about 3,000 miles. Yeah, so let's look at the what was called the Bedford Canal Experiments. And this was the experiments done by Samuel Robotham because he lived near these canals and he... Didn't do it once. He performed numerous times over a long period of time. According to this, along the edge of the water in the same canal, six flags were placed one status mile from each other and so arranged that the top of each flag was five feet above the surface. Close to the last flag in the series, a longer staff was fixed bearing a flag three feet square and the top of which was eight feet above the surface of the water, the bottom being in a line with the tops of the other intervening flags. And so you had for miles, for six miles, basically you had level flags. And then the last one was elevated to show that it was the yeah. last one on looking with a good telescope over and along the flags from a to B, the line of sight fell on the lower part of the larger flag at B. And then the altitude of the point B above the water at D was five feet. And then it goes on. It basically says for six miles, everything was absolutely horizontal. And if the earth is a globe, the series of flags in the last experiment would have had to form and produce results represented in a more of a water curvating form. Meaning as you looked out on the horizon, those flags would dip. Mm -hmm. It says on analysis of this expert, if the earth were a globe, 
One important remark would be that it is quite the coincidence that the flags all experienced the flat earth refraction effect one by one, all the way down to the end, which projected each flag into the air at the exact height they needed to be in order to make things look flat in accordance with the distance looked across at the height of the observer. And it goes on. There's other ones they did. They did the four light rock Lake Manitoba test, the Hernando County waterways test. They've done the boat unsunken, the Theodolite bridge, the flag cross, uh, tons, horizontal curvature, boat between lighthouses, the Bedford level experience, all of them. They've done them all. And they get mm -hmm. the same conclusion. I did notice this is in the chapter on the dimension of ocean waves. Robotham explains that the above is affected by wind and water conditions and the reproduction works best in fine weather. He says it is well known that even on lakes of small dimensions and also on canals, when high wind prevail for some time in the same direction, the ordinary ripple is converted into comparatively large waves. On the Bedford Canal, during the windy season, the water is raised into undulations so high that through a powerful telescope in an elevation of eight inches, a boat two or three miles away will be invisible. But at other times through the same telescope, the same kind of boat may be seen at a distance of six or eight miles. They're doing their own science. They're not trusting. And look, I, I don't trust a lot of science either. So these guys are out there and they're doing their own experiments. Like I said, I mean, like you said, I'm, I don't fully trust the scientists. Do I always understand the science? No, but I don't fully trust that what they're doing is for our best interest, that it's not, you know, the government saying, okay, this is what we want them to think. This is what your findings need to be. I think that happens a lot more than people want to admit. So I, I do think it's great that they're doing their own, their own work. Right. They also did this experiment called the Bishop Experiment, and this was in California's Monterey Bay. If you've never been there, it is one of the more beautiful places in the United States. It's gorgeous. And according to them, that the distance between the extremes of Monterey Bay, Lover's Point in Pacific Grove, and Lighthouse State Beach in Santa Cruz is just over 23 statue miles. And then they give this calculation of how many feet and everything. Hence, after 23 miles, the Earth drops approximately 352 feet if it's round. On a yeah. very clear and chilly day, it's possible to see Lighthouse Beach from Lover's Point and vice versa. With a good telescope laying down on the stomach at the edge of the shore near Lover's Point, 20 inches above the sea level, it is possible to see people at the water's edge on the adjacent beach 23 miles away near the lighthouse. So it's not like you have to stand up to adjust for this curvature to see the people. You can be level at the water, look across, and there mm -hmm. they are at the same level you are 23 miles away. So these well, are I all... I want to be right at the world curves. Right. This is where they're getting a lot of this stuff. According to this website, and this is from the Flat Earth Society itself. I did a lot of stuff on their page. According to them, the purpose of NASA is not to, quote, hide the shape of the Earth or to, quote, trick people into thinking it's round or anything of the sort. There is a space travel conspiracy. The purpose of NASA is to fake the concept of space travel to further America's militaristic dominance of space. That was the purpose of NASA's creation from the very start. To put ICBMs and other weapons into space, or at least appear to, and their motto is scientific exploration of new frontiers for all mankind was nothing more than a front. And here's some of their defense. This is from 1958, January 7th. This is Linda B. Johnson's statement on the status of national defense and race for space. He says... Control of space means control of the world. From space, the masters of infinity would have the power to control the Earth's weather, to cause drought and flood, to change the tides and raise the levels of the sea, to divert the Gulf Stream and change temperatures, climates to frigid. There is something more important than the ultimate weapon, and that's the ultimate 
position, the position of total control over the earth that lies somewhere in outer space. And according to George Keyworth, who was the scientific advisor to President Reagan, in a testimony before Congress, March 14, 1985, he said, quote, all government agencies lie part of the time, but NASA is the only one I've ever encountered that does so routinely. And they have hmm. all kind of so-called proof that we never went to the moon, never been to Mars, never been. In, in fact, they say NASA's early rocket research is well documented to have been a complete failure, plagued by one disaster after another. At some point, perhaps after the Apollo 1 disaster, it was decided to fake the space program outright and use rockets which only needed to fly into the air until they disappeared from sight. NASA went from nearly every launch being a failure to a near flawless track record, able to land man on the moon multiple times successfully with only two public spectacular failures in 45 years. Yeah. And now we can't, we've lost the technology apparently. That's the other thing too is what was the, the big thing I kept hearing? What does NASA stand for? Never a straight answer. Oh, for that sure. Because the, the, the other thing they said too is one of the reasons too why they, they started and one of the big places to take off from was Cape, Cape Canaveral in Florida was because they they were the ones that perpetrated the the um, Bermuda Triangle myth because that's where the rockets were going. Because every time they took off from Cape Canaveral, they headed east, and then they would land somewhere out in Bermuda Triangle when we make everyone believe that they went up into space. Right. So we talked about Charles Johnson, president of the International Flat Earth Research Society, known as the Flat Earth Society. And he wrote a lot of blogs, a lot of stuff. And I thought this was interesting. This tells you a little bit about where he was at. He says, We maintain that what is called science today and scientists consists, consists of the same old gang of witch doctors, sorcerers, tellers of tales, the priest entertainers for the common people. Science consists of a weird, way out occult connection of gibberish, theory, theology, unrelated to the real world of facts, technology, and invention tall buildings and fast cars, airplanes, and other real and good things in life. Technology is not in any way related to the web of idiotic scientific theory. All inventors have been anti-science. The Wright brothers said, quote, science theory held us up for years when we threw out all science, started from experiment and experience, we invented the airplane. And then he says, by the way, airplanes all fly level on this plane earth and then he says our aim is not to disturb the herd or wreck the government but rather to be an aid to the elite human being in coming to know the earth is flat to then free his or her mind from such blind unreasoning theory superstition and so go on to quote carefully observe think freely rediscover forgotten facts and oppose theoretical dogmatic assumptions as Sir Fields, owner of newspapers in England, has said about us, quote, they are the last pocket of individual thinkers in the English-speaking world. They're very <laughs> passionate about this. And they have some pretty interesting things to back them up. And we're not even getting into, like, the super technical minutiae of this stuff. No. Because we would need... And it's tough to get into that. Yeah, well, we would need charts and diagrams and... Yeah, you kind of have to see it. And the hard part is, depending on which one you're talking to, depends on which like chart and t science. And that was the biggest thing that I found within the flat Earth community. Pretty much the only thing everyone can agree upon is the Earth is flat. Other than that, it's pretty much arguments from there on out on what, how gravity works, how this works. There's four or five different belief systems that you kind of run into there. Well, yeah, what does the flat Earth look like? There's really no agreement on even that. No. Because a lot of them will point to the symbol of the United Nations, which looks like a flat map that you would hang on your wall that shows the globe basically flattened out. Yeah, which many people say is the, you know, like they always say, they hide everything in plain, plain sight, yes. that that is 
the the higher up saying, "Ha ha, it's flat, you idiots," and that's why the UN map is flat. Right, and you say, "Well, if that's the case, and we just sail off into the distance, wouldn't we just fall off the Earth? I mean, how come nobody's done that?" Well, according to multiple theories, and this is the prevailing one that rules that, is there's an ice wall that surrounds the entire circumference of the flat Earth. So if you were to sail out to it, there's a huge ice wall and you can't get through it. Like you can't break through it. And a lot of them will point to Admiral Byrd, and we talked about him before, we talked about Antarctica, that he supposedly came across this thing and saw it and wrote about it. And supposedly said that there are lands out beyond it. He did. In the United States. But how would he know if you can't see over Cause, it? Because maybe someone got past it. <laughs> because there, there's a whole other one that I found where they actually believe that be, beyond the wall, there is more. So we're kind of like in uh, like a huge Truman show. Yes. That's what some people believe. This is a huge Truman show and that we're basically beyond that wall and beyond the firmament. There is more. Is there more life out there? Are there more people who just haven't come here? We can't get across. Depends on which one you look at, which one you listen to. And I, yeah. And so what, one of my, just on a side note, one of the things I find fascinating about this, anytime we talk about something like this and there's, somebody on another planet or there's somebody out there or over there that we haven't reached. They're always super advanced, way more advanced than we are. How do we know that if we've never met them and they're not here? So how advanced are they? How do we know they're not Neanderthals? Maybe they've gone backwards. Yeah. Maybe we're the advanced ones. <laughs> maybe, maybe we break through and find out, Oh crap, we just unleashed all the dinosaurs again. Maybe that's where they went. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's one of those things. It's one of those things I've thought about this before. Maybe the reason why everyone's like, well, if there's life out there, why haven't they visited us? Maybe we're the farthest advanced. You maybe that's know. why they haven't. Maybe they're be maybe they're thousands of years behind us. Who knows? But one of the one things I did find interesting, we kind of talked about NASA a little bit. Uh, Von Braun, which we've talked about Werner Von Braun before. Dude, um, yeah, that guy. Operation Paperclip, all that kind of stuff. Occultist, his, crazy. Yep. His gravestone, and he was the one of the, the founding members of NASA. Yes. says, Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And that's where a lot of people point to, that it's another one of those, the, the, the higher-ups. You know, saying, hey, we're giving you clues. Mm -hmm. Open your eyes. Yeah, they also talk about the, the passage where it talks about the four corners of the earth. Yep. Uh, you know, going into all the earth and, and so forth. Operating on the, on the notion that it was, it was flat. That everybody was in agreement. Everybody knew that. It was sort of just a given. And it was, mm -hmm. you know, when science came in to control the people that they came up with this theory of it being round all right so here's another one this is from a website called why evolution is true and it's evidence for a flat earth this guy who's writing this says our education is flawed i've discovered evidence that the theory of evolution is a blatant lie and that the big bang space spinning globe theory is a blatant lie firstly here is flat earth evidence that this guy's discovered he says i've discovered the curve is supposed to be 66 feet over 10 miles, but it is apparent nowhere that we can see beyond that distance. Corsica can be seen from 137 miles away. The Suez Canal is 100 miles long, has no locks. Sahara Desert, the Tibetan Plateau, and the West Siberian Plains are flat. The equator could not be the warmest part of the Earth on a tilted globe. All stars revolve around Polaris, the North Pole Star. If we're on a ball circling the sun, we should see new stars every day for a year. At same as if a lighthouse is illuminating the sky around us. The cycle should repeat every year. And at any one time, the majority of space should be invisible due to the sun's light. Instead, we see the same stars from somewhere on Earth throughout the year. We can see Mercury and Venus at night, which are between the Earth and the sun. 
This is impossible with heliocentricity. In reality, we have a celestial dome covering the earth through which the sun circulates. Tides are not uniform and do not affect lakes. Tides and the seasons are central to feeding and reproduction. Pilots and engineers do not account for the, quote, curve. Pilot training manuals are based on a flat earth. Gyroscopes show that the earth is still. The cycle of the moon bears no correlation to that of the sun. It's logical that surface water cannot curve, as we are told, which is the case over vast oceans. We know water reacts physically to movement, yet we see no evidence of movement in the water that surrounds us. Ships that disappear over the horizon come back into view with telescopes. There is no 24-hour sunlight in the South Pole. Antarctica is 30 degrees colder than the Arctic. It's the coldest place on Earth with a low of 90 degrees below zero. 70% of the Earth's fresh water is in Antarctica. The abysmal plains at the floor of the ocean are flat and have no sediment. And it goes on. It just goes on and on and on. Our bodies and that of animals and creatures are designed to detect movement, yet we are told we cannot detect the earth moving at 66,600 miles per hour. <laughs> anyway, he goes on and into more, and he talks about Admiral Bird, and he talks about all this. And that is an interesting, it's an interesting point. We talked about this. If I walk outside of my house right now, it's, a, it's dark, it's clear. I look up. I can see the Big Dipper, the Small Dipper. I can see Orion. I can see it's clear as bell. And what is today? This is January? Yes. If I walk out July 5th, they're in the same spot. They are. Well, how would that happen in Earth that's spinning in a globe? Not only are we spinning, we're moving around. The Earth itself is moving. It's like a basketball that's spinning and then actually the entire thing moves as it's spinning. Like you've ever been in one of those teapot, the teacups mm -hmm. at the fair? Same concept. You feel yeah. that? Do you feel it when you're on that ride? Oh, yeah. Especially if you get it spinning really quick. Yeah. When the kids start puking, it's the best. You get spinning so fast, you don't know which way you're spinning. Huh. And so if the earth is moving so fast and everything is spinning around... Why do we see the same thing all the time? Yeah. That, that's, that's a huge point that flat earthers point at, is how do we see this same thing constantly if the Earth is spinning not only on its axis, but also around the sun at the same time? The only thing that makes sense is that the Earth sits where it is and everything else moves around us, like the Bible says. There is a lot of that. You know, and it's weird. I've been a Christian my entire, well, almost my entire life. I've been going to church my entire life, and I've been a Christian for a long, long time. Never have I ever heard this, ever, in church. Never, not once. I was kind of shocked to see that religion, especially the Bible, I mean, it does, there's some Buddhists and some Taoists and there's some you know, other doctrines that, and some Hindus doctrines that are in this. But it really, especially what you're seeing now, is being tied to this, well, it's in the Bible thing. Problem is, what they're, what they're looking at is a literal interpretation from Hebrew and Greek into Old King James. Yes. So, you know, when they're talking about the firmament, Honestly, I didn't take time to go look and see what the Hebrew and the Greek word were for these. I should have uh, because I have the capability to look that up. I didn't do it because I was just like, wow, that, that just seems way out, of, out there. But there's a lot of passages in the Bible where people point to it in its just it's look at that one verse. They don't they don't look at the context and they don't look at actually what the concept that's being laid out. And they say, but what does that verse say? Okay, well, but that's King James. That's not the that's not the original text. No. I know people don't want to hear this, but it's been proven repeatedly that as the Bible has been interpreted multiple times, some things have been lost and some interpretations have been lost because the Bible was originally written in what? Aramaic? Yeah, Greek and Hebrew. Greek, Hebrew, translated into 
other languages and other languages and really you got to understand too the one thing the the king james version wasn't even translated from the originals it was translation from a translation so it's it's one there's some things that i think that are lost there that people forget and then i think too you see and you prove your own point you prove the point you want to prove oh and i think that I can, happens a lot i can prove lots of bizarre things just picking and choosing scriptures out of the bible and yeah. Walt, Walt, if anybody knows who Walter Martin is, uh, who wrote Kingdom of the Cults, he was Bible Answer Man for a long time. He was famous for doing this in arguments with folks where he'd be like, okay, yeah, I can make God into a chicken as well. So then he would just pull out different verses and go, there, there, God's a chicken. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. Did find this interesting. Lyndon Johnson, and this was also in 1958, and a Senate Special Committee on Space and Astronautics drafted a resolution to change the name of the U.S. Army's Ballistic Missile Arsenal to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, which we now know as NASA. NASA used to be the U.S. Army's Ballistic Missile Arsenal. That was in 1958. And it wasn't that much longer that we supposedly did hit the moon. So 1969, we get to the moon. So that's Less than 10 years later from a ballistics missile arsenal mm -hmm. program to landing a man on the moon. And that's one of the things that a lot of people look at. And it's one of those things like I know we've talked about possibly going back and redoing the moon landing episode. A lot of people look at how, 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 how in 10 years. And that's kind of one of those things where a lot of people look at flat earth and tie it into that is basically one of those things that if you can prove that they lied to us about going to the moon, which a lot of flat earthers believe, yes. what else are they lying to us about? And that's where a lot of this comes into, where they get a lot of people and a lot of things where even me listening to it, I'm like, eh. eh. Not you know, only that, it wasn't just the U.S. that lied about going to the moon. Chinese has faked it a lot, too. They've faked spacewalks, apparently mm -hmm. faked other missions. And it's pretty convincingly documented that they actually didn't go anywhere. Yeah. That they just told their people, here's what happened. And they used a lot of the same or similar technologies that's been attributed to NASA as far as Photoshopping and digital imagery, studios, and so forth. And it isn't, I will have to say this, you're right, we should go back and do the moon. Because it's very interesting when you go back and you look at the footage of those from the 1960s through the, the 70s where we were quote at the moon to <laughs> to the photos through the 80s the 90s and now and they're like well yeah but the camera is all improved and everything well maybe the camera's improved but the shadows uh haven't and the supposed no wind out there where things are flapping around uh glitches in the way they're spinning around up there, the way they're supposed floating in, you know, zero gravity. And so there's a, there's a lot of interesting documents on that. Now, how that, so if you're to disprove that NASA went to the moon or has gone up into it at all, yes, according to the flat earth, they'll say, well, that's because you get, cannot get through the firmament. No. And that's one of the big things that they look at. And one of the things, I mean, we've used it before too in the past where you talk about something and it's hard, you look at it and you're like, I can't for, for sure trust this source because I can prove where they were wrong in the past, where they've lied in the past. And that's what they're looking at. They're like, we can prove to you that they lied to us about this. How far of a stretch is it they're lying about this too? And a lot of the argument I found on Flat Earth is that's kind of... They give you some facts. They give you some science, some quick talk, and be like, well, if I can prove all this is wrong, how much easier is it for you to believe me that that's a lie too? Right. According to this, it says, how do you take photos with an antiquated camera and a spacesuit on? Why was there no dust on the spaceship? How does a rocket work in a vacuum? How can you affect direction in a vacuum? Also, Scientists say that the Van Allen belt, which is above the earth, which is what they call the mm -hmm. firmament, is impenetrable. And apparently uh, Edward Hendry, Rob Skiba, Brandon Edge, Casper Stith, 
have all basically said this and they're part of uh, the government and, and so forth. Seems like recently uh, several of the things that we've talked about sort of they act like magnets for other theories. And yes. I have a theory about that. Mm-hmm. I think when there is some truth involved, because as we all know, like the lowest rung on the conspiracy theory right now is the flat earthers. And if you are called a flat earther, that is by anybody who's not a flat earther, that is like the ultimate insult. Oh, you're a flat earther. Like you're as dumb as a stump. You are so far out there. We can't trust you on anything because you believe in a flat earth. How stupid are you? Mm -hmm. And so I have to wonder if when somebody at some point, and I, I think this was the same thing with Antarctica. It's the same thing with Tataria and a few of the other ones we've talked about where there seems like there could be something there. And I don't know if it's outside agents or whoever it is comes in and attaches a bunch of other complete nonsense to it and says, Oh yeah, well, if you believe this, it's all tied into that and that and that and that. And so look how crazy you are. And I have one of the same things. It's kind of one of the things that I've said before, like where I've talked about Alex Jones and some of those other ones, where all of a sudden they're like, they take a theory that is somewhat, you're like, okay, I can I can kind of see this. And then start attaching other things to that theory to the point where you're like, oh, now you're at your freaking mind. And I think that's kind of what's happening a little bit with Flat Earth. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going that way, but a lot of things that I've looked at, I mean, how do I... There's so many weird things about the space program when you start looking at NASA and looking close. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen the picture of the rat on Mars? I mean, there's so many different things where they're like, hey, look at these pictures that they're literally showing us where we can show you the weird things that they don't have a great explanation for. And it's like, if they're lying to us about this, what else are they lying to me about? Right. And then they, so they've married that into, if that's fake, that justifies this. And it, yeah. le- it legitimizes this. And we'll talk about how we, where we fall next week when we give you the, you know, the, the pros for you know, what we know as a globe and all of that stuff. But I do find it intriguing enough what they're presenting to where I'm willing to listen to it. I'm willing to have a rational conversation and I'm willing to look at their proof. A lot of people think this just started. And I think that's only because it's on TikTok and it's on YouTube and it's on Rumble and all this other stuff. No, this this flat earth notion has been going on since early BC. Yes. And so I can see where somebody would say, hey, because we've talked about this too. You know, when the elites and the school of quote knowledge came in and started changing everything and we talked about the u.s education system where there was a designated purpose why they wanted it to go the the way they wanted it to because it benefited them why wouldn't they come in and hijack this why wouldn't they want to do that i mean it's a a valid question and it's one of those things they get us to believe what we want the one thing you got to remember too is, I mean, you think about like we. I know we've kind of gone off on the, the whole NASA angle and everything. We were at a part in our country where we were having problems and there was a lot of issues, but all of a sudden we hit the moon, and it's considered one of the biggest, greatest things that the U.S. company, U.S. country has ever done, and it brought our country together and reunited us. Oh, we beat the Russians. We won the Cold we, War. We won the Cold War. That was one of the hugest things. If they knew it was going to have anything near that kind of reaction, why wouldn't they fake it? Absolutely. Once again, if they're lying to us about that, how do we know they're not lying to us about what's on the in Antarctica? How do we know that we really are on a globe? So, last article before we close on out, and this is from Think Magazine. Think. 
T-H-I-N-K. And we're going to start this article this week, and then we'll jump into it. We'll start, we'll, we're going to end it with it this week, and we're going to begin with it next week. For years, the niche community of people that believe the earth is flat have been the center of comedic ridicule, ostracized by the general public as lunatics and out of their mind for over 2,000 years. The theory is believed to have begun in the ancient Greece and later developed in the Bronze and Iron Ages and civilizations closer to the Near East till late in the Hellenistic period, which was about 31 BC. Cutting-edge researchers from the University of Malta Dr. Harry Johnson, Professor Anita Bath, and Dr. Oliver Klasov have confirmed that there is evidence to suggest that the world is, in fact, flat. This discovery has come to the forefront of a longitudinal study spanning 25 years from over 50 leading universities around the world, beginning at the University of Malta. 1996, a team of five researchers at the University of Malta were assigned the task of measuring ions from the Earth's atmosphere, determining how long they took to explode when set on fire with the help of a new CBD molecule that was recently discovered in the Netherlands. Dr. Klausov suggested the reasoning for keeping the findings of this, of this research private until now were due to the controversial nature of the discovery. Quote, we didn't know how people would react. The immense discovery will change science forever. We really can't believe what we found. It says flat earthers or flat folk, as they like to be called, have been ridiculed, dismissed by the media. They have now finally have empirical evidence on their side, thanks to the alliance of researchers across the globe. It says we spoke to the president of Flat Earth Society over Zoom. And he said, this is fantastic news and something we've known for a very long time, but we didn't have any proof whatsoever to back ourselves up. It's amazing. And then it goes on. So that's something to think about until next episode. And, yeah. and we're going to start with this article next episode because it, it goes on. It's a little deeper. And look, we're going to get emails from flat earthers. We have in the past. We've had people who want to come on and explain their position. I think we've done it the best that we can from an objective standpoint. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things we missed. People go, hey, you missed this and you missed that. and Maybe some other time. But we just spent an hour from your own documents and from the Flat Earth Society pages explaining what they've explained to us as to why the earth is flat. Yeah. I mean, I would be, I mean, I, for one, I'm sure you would too. I mean, I would not be opposed to having someone who is, you know, a flat earther talk to us and have a, cause like I said, there's a lot of information in there that I find interesting and I want to learn more about. And I would not, I would not be opposed to talking to someone. Never, I'm never opposed to talking about to somebody about new ideas, them expressing to me their belief system as long as they have facts to back it up mm -hmm. and they have verifiable things that I can look at, I can test, I can, I can see. And so, yes, I'd be more than welcome to, to talk to somebody who was a, quote, flat earther yeah. or who was, it, who's but, involved in this heavily. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, like we said, a discussion. I don't want to get in an argument. I don't want to be one of those shows where all of a sudden we're sitting there yelling at each other, like, you know, and all that. I don't, I wouldn't mind having a discussion with someone though. I agree. I 100% agree. So maybe that day will come, but in the meantime, <laughs> email us your thoughts. And I'm sure you have a lot. Yes. Email us your thoughts at down the RH at protonmail.com. Tell us where we failed. Tell us how we missed the boat. Tell us how we didn't include this or that or the other thing. And maybe next episode, we'll read a couple of them and try to get up to speed on if we just were egregious in our misrepresentation. But next week, we're going to come back and we're going to take a look at why what we've, all, what we've been taught is real. And we're going to then get sort of give our 
our take at the end of next week as to well i don't even know where yes. brandon i don't know where brandon sits on this I, I, he probably doesn't know where i sit and maybe we'll be uh condensed yeah. out of the position we're in so that'll be interesting because i, I love these exercises oh i do too because it's fun especially too because you know like you said we don't a lot of people don't realize that we don't sit there like beforehand we'll talk a little bit about this but we don't tell each other hey this is what our thoughts are anything like that a lot of times i don't know what big d thinks about something until the audience does and that's what i always love about this because we can get into our to debates about things pretty pretty easily so sure. it's pretty good yeah well that's that's what this show's about working this stuff all out and then coming to uh, allowing you to come to your own conclusion so down the rh protonmail.com brandon you have the midweek welcome back again I do, and it'll it'll be the, the finish off what I started last week. Um, I didn't think it was gonna. I didn't even think I was gonna be able to get a full episode out of that, and it, it looks like it's gonna be two. So, and that's the book of Euranthia. Yeah. So. Okay. Like I said, I didn't think uh, it was. It, it's quite an interesting subject, actually. Once you get into it. So. Well, think about all of what we talked about, and come back next week, and we will, <laughs> we will pick up where we left off. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon, and we're out of here. See you later.